0: So you ready for training camp? Are you uh, are you excited for what we're about to see?
1: I'm always excited, I'm never ready.
0: <laughs> what does that mean?
1: That means I'm always excited and never ready. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited. I can't wait. I, I anxiously await every season and you know, whether the previous one was good or bad and last year's case outstanding. Um but as far as uh, everything else is concerned, I, um, I'm never ready to close the door on a on a summer that I treasure. So I guess right. that's more on the personal
2: front. That's does, all.
0: Does it change the summer or the uh, the lead up to the next season based on how the previous one ended? I mean, we haven't had that many playoff appearances here, uh, but in your history, has it been
1: different? The only difference, Adam, is the anticipation and the excitement of the fans, and you know we have we've missed that for a decade. So in that sense, it's different. My clock is the last few years has been the same. My clock usually goes the end of May anyway with my work.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, my summer has been scrunched down just a little bit. That's a good thing uh we get as much in from a family standpoint as possible and then around the second week of august i start to get my my files straight and i i go team by team every day until we at the beginning of training camp just to get my my charts in order and my information i need on on every team in the league so um I, i'm a creature of habit that works but the the air around the team is far different you know this fall than it was last
0: All right, I'm going to ask you throughout the season, John Forslund, I will ask you, hey, how are your charts? And uh, we'll we'll all know what that refers to. Are you ready
1: to start? I'm ready to go.
3: All right. This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Canes Corner Podcast, Adam Gold.
0: It is... The start of training camp coming up on Thursday, although there's no on-ice component to Thursday start of training camp. Preseason games begin on Tuesday, a week from today, the day we are recording this in Tampa. John Forslund, voice of your Carolina Hurricanes, joins us. It's the first... We're going to call it the first episode of I'm going to guess season four of this podcast. Thank you very much. I'm glad your summer's over because that means we get a chance to uh, uh, to go and talk a lot about current hockey as opposed to what we saw before and all of the other craziness that goes on in the off offseason.
1: Um, Adam, it's great to hear your voice. I can't even start to explain how excited I am.
0: <laughs> at my voice. That's good. Uh all right, all right, let let's get to the most recent thing so we can put out put put at least that in our rearview mirror. Uh Jake Gardner, 4 years, 16.2 million dollar contract. It's uh 4.05 a year. Uh and he's a he's an elite puck moving defense. elite might be a stretch, I guess, but he's certainly a top four offensive-minded left shot defenseman, let's just deal with what he brings to the Carolina Hurricanes and then we'll handle some of the stuff that goes on around him.
1: I mean he's a he's a coveted guy. He's a he's a legitimate defenseman that can play in anybody's top four. Um, if the team was even deeper, you know, he could be a four or five and then you'd really have a, a, a great looking defense, but he, he's accustomed to playing top four minutes. He's accustomed to playing the boatload of power play time in the last eight seasons with Toronto. That should help the Hurricanes. Obviously, at the end of last year, that was an eyesore. You know, going into the playoffs, you know, where was the power play right. last year? It seemed to be an ongoing theme. So that's going to help. Um, you know, you, you just said it. He's 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 elite. It starts with his skating, um, his edge work, his turning ability his acceleration from a standstill, all of those things that you need to have escape capability to be a quality defenseman in the NHL are all evident. It's going to be very easy to see that. Um, He he has a terrific shot. He creates offense. Um, He transports the puck. He gets it up the ice. But in, in tight areas, he's so elusive, he can create scoring chances on his own volition. Where he's had his issues has been in his own end, where he's had some issues, which I think uh, became larger than life and maybe too big for him in Toronto, was the fact that under pressurized situations defensively does turn the puck over a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, High-risk defensemen will do that. Uh, there's a, there's a bigger game for those guys. It's like an infielder that, you know, gets to every ground ball and a guy that has limited range, right? The guy mm-hmm. that can get to every ground ball looks uh, sensational. And then on plays that a guy has no chance on, he might boot. And so you have to, you have to look at it a little bit differently with these, these players that play on the edge offensively. And he's one of those guys. Um, but it, I, I think what, they did here was uh, uh, twofold. I I think by by getting this player and you mentioned the the amount of money and the term of the deal and all that, it's fair. Team friendly. But it's going to create some issues moving forward that the Canes are going to have to deal with from a salary cap standpoint. It's been reported and talked about, and uh, we'll see where it all goes. But there's no question there are going to be ramifications because of this signing.
0: All right, before we get to those ramifications, let's just say, because I think there is a way uh, with some two-way contracts that could ultimately be, uh, you know, be moved out, that there is a way that the current team without really any, uh, you know, Major alterations to the roster that the current team is brought back, uh, as is including Jake Gardner. Would Gardner be a top four guy, or does Gardner slot in on the third pair with a hopefully at some point healthy Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and you still have Slavin, Hamilton, Pesci, Falk in your top four?
1: Yeah. So let's let's attack it from you know minute standpoint. Okay. So you're for me the three primary um, minute eaters here are. Slavin, Falk, and Pesci in that order, and then Hamilton can play high minutes, but he's not going to play a lot shorthanded. Right. He's going to probably get backed off, you know, down the stretch, protecting a one-goal lead, you know, in all those situations. Um, Gardner, for me, would be an ideal five. He's a four slash five for me. Uh, He's a five on an ideal team with Falk. Um, And this is taking into account that I think Brett Pesci proved he could play the offside. And I think Brett Pesci is a top four defenseman. Mm -hmm. Slavin obviously is. Falk obviously is. The hybrids are Hamilton and Gardner. And Van Riemsdyk is a six, but as quality a six as you're going to find. But Trevor's coming off shoulder surgery. We're going to have to see where that is to start the season. And then you've got some of these young kids that, you know, the flurries and the beans and fourth wings and so on that will push for an extra spot or maybe a spot in a group of six. The key for me is is the status of Justin Falk um, on this team, as it is today, as, as we do this. Um, perfect. Uh, Justin Falk at times was the Hurricanes' best defenseman in the playoffs. Um, his minutes got as, as high to 30 per game as possible. <laughs> yeah. uh, his, his penalty-killing time is 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 there. And uh, in the case of Gardner, who never had a lot of penalty-killing, uh, much of a penalty-killing role in Toronto, Hamilton, um, players like that, you're not going to use them in those situations. But you are Slavin, Pesci, and Falk. But I think the landscape changes a little bit, to be fair. If Falk gets moved, we'll just have to see where that goes.
0: Yeah, and I, as, as I, I wrote about for WRL Sports Fan, uh, that this team, I think, would be better with both. And I understand they don't, they don't want to lose Falk. Uh, after the season, because this is his final year of a contract, and he is going to go into free agency because I don't believe the team is going to meet his price demand, certainly now. Uh, so he's going to walk into free agency, and the risk is you lose him for nothing, and that's a major asset. It's an asset that can either bring you uh, you know, a, a, a top-end young player— or, certainly if you did it now, uh, or maybe even a first-round pick or maybe multiple draft picks, depending on the demand for Justin Falk. But to me, the like as I wrote, I'm not worried about so much down the road as I'm worried about what's around the corner. I think the playoffs are a necessity for this upcoming season. And I, I, I think their depth on the blue line would be uh, as good as there is in the NHL, maybe the best in the NHL if they keep them both.
1: Yeah, and where you want to be the strongest is on the back end. So you never want to relinquish, you know, any any assets for me that you have with defensemen because they're so hard to find. The thing you have to think about, too, is any injuries that may occur. So if you have an injury in your top four, you know, Gardner can, if, if it's with Falk in the lineup, Gardner can certainly bump up into a top four situation, maybe even starts as a top four because it does allow – uh Rod Brindamore a chance to get to a lefty righty scenario more easily than it would have without Jake Gardner. Right. Um so when you look at it that way, you take those two things into account. Without Justin Falk, you have to replenish those minutes. You have to replenish, you know, another guy that gives you an option in the power play. A guy that can be elite offensively. I think when his head's on straight, he can be elite defensively. You're taking away a guy that on some nights will be your best defenseman. Mm-hmm. And that's something that just shouldn't be just scoffed at or or looked by or, or whatever you want to do. I understand the numbers. I understand the future. And you have to plan for the future from a salary cap standpoint. And Falk might be a, a tough object to move you know, around the trading deadline. Or you might relinquish this guy for absolutely zero if you hang on to him and you get through the playoffs and he ends up walking anyway. But that's a risk you take when you're in the position, I believe, and I think you do too, the Hurricanes are in right now, which is as a playoff team. Uh, This team was not looked at that way a year ago. Things have changed. So the bar comes up, the target gets bigger, the players have to perform to that same level And if you're not doing it from your most important position of strength, player for player, then why would you weaken that part of your lineup? Because, again, the goaltenders are going to have to perform at the same level. We cannot forget how great Mm -hmm. Morozik was and Curtis McElhaney in the second half of last year.
0: I heard you talking about that on Sirius XM Monday afternoon as I was driving around in my car. John Forslund, voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. All right, uh, let's move on to the the potential of a trade. Now, I don't know if it's fair even to speculate about a possible return. Uh, so, I mean, if you don't want to get into Andre Kasha, which is the name bandied about, a player the Hurricanes tried to get a year ago, if you'd rather not uh, speculate on that, that's okay, because there are other new players uh, to deal with. Uh, but a, a player like Kasha, whether it's him or not, what value does something like somebody like that bring to the Hurricanes?
1: Well, value is good, and and this is a... If it is the case, this return is far better than the return for Jeff Skinner, right? So, oh, yeah. Well, um,
0: how hard is that to beat?
1: <laughs> it's not, but you would think. You would think, um, you know, just just talking out loud here that that when Skinner was on the table, the return would have been better than it was. But the team was tied up. The hands were were tied. They they only had a couple of destinations because of his no trade. Uh, situation in his contract. So he ends up wanting to go to Buffalo. They had a deal in the Buffalo, and that's what they re- got back. Um, the same situation could occur with Justin Falk if this scenario doesn't go down the pike. Andre kasha has been reported. I-, I think there's plenty of legitimacy to it. I think it's a player that you're right. The Hurricanes have targeted in the past. I've heard his name, he's a player with a ton of potential. He's a player that's had his issues with concussions, a shoulder problem.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He's been a come and go guy, and they have a few of those. I mean, they have a few guys who can put up some serious offensive numbers. The metrics, possession-wise, are very good, similar to a guy like Dezingle. Right. So Ryan Dezingle is a similar type player, but then you get into the you know the gray area of where are they in big games. Kasha, to be fair, hasn't had his opportunity as much as Dezingo has. But in the playoffs, Ryan DeZingo hasn't been the same player he was in the regular season. Right. I think the Hurricanes have done a very good job replenishing and bolstering their goal scoring potential. I don't think that's as much of an issue as it was a year ago. it So they haven't they have options virtually on every line for scoring. That's good. To me, I think they're starting to get Many of the players that are, have the same makeup, I worry about that. But I might be the only one. Um, I, I see a lineup that has a lot of the same to it. And I think you have to find players along the way that can that can change it up a little bit, like Furland and the good Michael Furland portion right. of his season provided last year. Martin will do that, there's no question, but he's a little bit older. He's coming off surgery himself. We'll see where he is with that. McGinn, certainly, pound for pound, is willing to do it. But, you know, he's he's a little guy. He's not a He doesn't have the size and the, the fear factor. You right. could throw at the other side, uh, say, uh, Tom Wilson brings to the table. Okay, so that's what I'm driving at here. I worry about the makeup of the forwards because they have so much skill, so much scoring potential. And many of them have a tendency to play in the outside. I worry about it. But Kasha is a good return for this player. I, we'll see if it's a great return depending on where his career goes. But he's a right-handed shot has a knack for scoring, and is a is a really a, a high-end skilled guy that, that's very creative. And, and again, that should help the power play. And we're we're talking about a team now that doesn't have Justin Williams, that's so right. a right winger that can score is a, is a good thing.
0: And uh, it's possible that uh, Kasha, a right-handed winger could be their only right-handed winger because there will be a numbers game to deal with if it's uh, Andre Kasha uh, that does come in return for uh, in a potential Justin Falk trade. Uh, that might mean that Martin Natchez doesn't make the uh, the NHL roster and starts the season in Charlotte again. Uh, he, de- he didn't play in the prospect tournament. so But I think they assume, they hope, that Natchez will make the team uh, and we t- we spoke to Marty at uh, at Media Day, at least publicly. He's not assuming anything. I think he's I think he's in a good mental frame of mind. He knows he has to yeah. go out and prove it.
1: Yeah, you could see it. I, I wasn't there, but I, I saw all of the sound and and the visuals. And the visuals sometimes are a little bit more revealing mm-hmm. than the sound bites. And you could see in his eyes, you could see that. The happy-go-lucky side of him I didn't think was there. I think that the determined young athlete that wants to prove somebody wrong is there, and I think that's good. But, again, it's going to be what fits, you know, because, again, I think we we left out, or I did, you know, two young players that should take a a big jump. Uh, Warren Fogel being one, mm-hmm. but in a big way, Andrei Svetchnikov. And so, you know, for me, Andrei Svetchnikov now comes in with the expectation of being a legitimate top six forward has a potential to score 30 goals, and does he continue down the same road, and I hope he does, as that diligent player, too, that brings abrasion to go along with his skill. Because if he just decides he's going to be a goal scorer because he's now in a different role with the team, instead of being a grinder, which he was for the majority of his Mm -hmm. rookie season – That's going to be a a kind of a crossroad situation he's going to have to navigate. So we'll watch that one unfold. But the promise for those two players to deliver, you know, some physicality too is is good. That's promising. In Natchez's case, you know, where does his skill set? Fit. You know, um, is he going to play the wing? It's likely, yeah if he does, is there a log jam? um I don't think the the is open for him to play down the middle at this at this stage of his career. Is it better to do another year in the American League I guarantee you, he doesn't think so. I too agree with you. I wish he played in the rookie tournament. I think that would have helped. I think that would have just. Uh, Created more burn, and it would also have given him a chance to dominate, and then come in here, you know, having that behind him. Because to be fair, his rookie tournament in Traverse City last fall wasn't that great, mm-hmm. and it kind of dovetailed right into training camp, which was which was okay, it was good enough to you know start the season with the team. But I think a lot of that was entitlement, unfortunately. And one thing Rod Brindamore did last last fall was adjust that aspect of the team's culture to wipe out any kind of entitlement and i don't think natures feels that way this time around
0: yeah it would have been nice to see nature's play uh julian gotier it would have been good to see him play in the prospect tournament uh because i mean i think that some of their guys who have not yet broken through i mean still need to prove themselves that would have been a right. uh, a great way uh to get that done eric howla uh, had uh, what twenty nine goals a couple of years ago? Had a gruesome knee injury right. uh, a year ago. Inter- interestingly enough, in a collision, although not really a hit, with uh, Hurricanes legend Patrick Marleau. Um, so I, I did. By the way, did you see the highlights of Howla uh, taking a, uh, a golf swing with hockey gloves on?
1: I did not. It's fantastic. I, did, I didn't see the highlights of that. I, I I did that myself, you know, with my group. Did I had you? Had the gloves on, but yeah, we had no cameras in sight. Thank God.
0: No, no. H- how has a great swing with hockey gloves on?
1: That's amazing.
0: Frightening to me. Uh, yeah.
1: wh- what? Do, what? You do can't you really interlock and you know do all those things. <laughs>
0: it's hard. It's really much more of an overlapping grip or a baseball right. grip. Uh, wh- what do you? What do you think? How do you think he fits? I mean, can he? Can he really? take a lot of pressure off Jordan Stahl?
1: Yes and no. I mean, I don't know that you want to have a lot of pressure taken off Jordan Stahl. You want Jordan Stahl to continue down the same road he was on last year when he came back from injury and how significant, you know, he was. And listen, Rod Brindemore is going to tell you that Jordan Stahl is the most valuable player. He's going to tell you that um, because he understands, you know, the, the, the totality of his game. Uh, Bajo might be the best player, the best forward, but the totality of Stahl's game, heavy nature, defensive acumen, face-offs, three-zone sense, all those things line up A-plus across the board for the coach. So I don't see Stahl getting backed off. Now you have Halla, who, again, is another one of these guys. And I think, you know, they have a vision. They're, it's, it's human nature. They all have a vision of what they want to be. And then they get to the team, and then the slot is so important. Where do you slot with this new group? Is he a third center? And if he's a third center, are the minutes substantial enough for him to continue down the road he wants to for his career? Um, Yes, everybody's a team individual, but everyone is also an individual. We're all the same. We want to do the best we can in our a given line of work and you want to have the right opportunities to make sure it happens the same with Dzingel. you know, I think Rod's going to have a very interesting time making sure ice time is equitable and deserved in the right spots and the right slots and who plays with whom. So, um, you got a lot of that going on, which is going to make a for a very exciting training camp. The preseason games are going to be different because you're not just wondering what kind of team it is for a change. I think we know what kind of team it is. We're going to wonder who's going to play where within the framework of that team makeup. So uh, Holla provides the opportunity where he was at his best. It was as a two. Yeah. I mean, he was the second center that season with 29 goals <laughs> and was able to get to the ice time needed to hit those markers. Will it happen? We'll see. Will he be comfortable in the role that he's given? He's going to kill penalties. There's no question right. because he's an outstanding penalty killer. But Roddy's going to have an interesting uh, year in terms of uh, having a lot of it. And as I said at the top, a lot of the same and making sure that, you know, guys slot in the. The right spots to make the team successful.
0: Yeah, and all four centers, by the way, uh, are good penalty killers because Sebastian right. Aho became a good penalty killer as the uh, as the year wore on. So let's talk a little bit about Sebastian. Uh, they got that RFA thing over quickly, thankfully, to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, what do you expect? I mean, first of all, let's let's approach it from this angle, John Forsland. Where does Aho fit? among the best players in the game today i saw nhl.com had him rated like the 34th best player in the game i think it was 34th he was ahead of jack eichel which i guess surprised me a little bit uh but where do you where do you think sebastian aho fits
1: Uh, he played one year of center right and and that was a debate a year ago and um i believe the same network had him listed at either 10 or 11 among centers, right? So he's a top 20 center. He's certainly a top 30 player for me, and it's going to improve. It's going to get better and better. I think his psyche and his determination and work ethic and just the way he approaches the job is only going to lead us down the path of even more success and personal success. He's that driven. Um, you know, he's he's far different than Rod was as a player, but I see some similarities in terms of demeanor yeah. and how they – approach what they're supposed to do day in and day out. Sebastian's the same way. Sebastian's one of those guys a little bit like Ray Whitney. When you look at him and you see the stature and you see the boyish look about him and all that, you kind of get fooled into thinking he's one type of player. But, um, you know, he's got a huge heart, and I and I think that side of him and that compete side of of just being an athlete is, is grand. So um, I think we're going to see even greater things. I think this is one player that would have been in a real tough spot if he were a holdout. If he were indifferent right now contractually with the Hurricanes, I don't think that would be uh, uh, doing him any good at all. I think he needed to be comfortable. He needed to be finished and and set. He wanted to uh, come in and and approach it that way from day one. So uh, I've had a couple of uh, conversations with him over the last couple of days, and that's the gist that I get. I mean, this is a guy that's just excited to get going again and wants to improve. If you can improve on – uh, what where the expectation is is you're probably the team's best player and everybody expects you to be an all-star again there's those guys look at themselves and say yes there's room for improvement and that's that's the beauty of Sebastian Anho
0: yeah, he can get it. He certainly can get better growing a beard. Uh, not any, not anywhere close to Ray Whitney territory when it comes to facial hair. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, you, you mentioned a, a little bit of a gritty nature to Andre Svechnikov's game, so I wanted to explore that just a second. Um, f- to, for me, and I told this to our friend Alec Campbell throughout the entire season. It was a matter of time before Svechnikov... Got in a fight. Now nobody likes how it happened and the end result for sure. Um, but he plays kind of maybe agitating is not the right word. I'm not sure if uh, if it is or not. Uh, but he certainly plays. He's he plays unafraid uh, and he's not afraid to mix it up and he's not afraid to annoy people. Maybe that is agitating. Uh, it's one of the things about his game that I like the most.
1: Yeah, that drives his game. And hopefully it will continue to drive his game. But I think he's going to have to learn how to navigate himself through all of that. So in year number one, like we said before, it was a little bit easier based on who he was playing with for the majority of the season. As a third line guy, certainly with Jordan Martin for the majority of the year as a line mate and a mentor. And. Uh, a guy that he really looks up to, you know, he could he could he could easily fit that. And he gave that line scoring potential because of who he is as a second overall pick. Now it's different. Now he comes back, he's a scoring option, he'll be a power play option as he was, uh, but even more so now. And he's going to have personal expectations as far as the, the markers that he wants to hit. But he's also going to have to understand a couple of things that you you can't be a guy that's too concerned about just scoring and helping the team that way. I hope he still brings the thump. I hope Mm -hmm. that's still part of his game. But players that play a power game that can score will also, as as they get older, figure out that they can't do that all the time either. Just ask Eric Cole. Mm-hmm. Eric Cole was uh, told by, you know, and Paul Maurice was absolutely right, but at the early stages of Eric's career, Paul used to tell him, you keep running around like this, you're, you could have a 12- to 15-year career, you could play about five years, because, you know, you can't be a battering ram all the time. Mm-hmm. So I just hope because he's so young, he gets the proper guidance of how to play, making sure that every aspect of of his game is is out there. And so he has to be physical. Obviously, he has to drive the net. And, I, and obviously, I think he has the internal drive to do all of this. I just don't want to see him back off physically. If he backs off physically and decides he's going to be a finesse player based on immaturity, that's easy to do. You know, there's going to be some learning curve in his second season. That's the only way there's any kind of statistical dip with this player for me. If his head's on straight, he continues to play the same way and he doesn't worry about anything. The sky's the limit, and this is going to be great to watch. And I think when he, when he stepped out of the lineup, after he was knocked out by Ovechkin in the first round, um, you know he would swing by the booth every once in a while, and he was amazed at the physicality of the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> he couldn't believe it, and he loves it. I just hope he never loses that, because uh, you don't want to see a guy that can back off the other side a little bit. And I think it helps drive his game, kind of lose his way, because it could affect his numbers, and you don't want to see that.
0: I think he's also got a great sense of humor. Uh, when the yeah. uh, when the language barrier ceases over the next couple of years, like I th- believe they asked him because uh, he took some boxing training uh, during the <laughs> summer. They asked him who's, who he thought the best boxer was, and he went Ovi. I mean, you, you can't help but laugh. I mean, you, you cringe. But at the same time, uh, I think you have to laugh. Two more things, because uh, we can't talk about every aspect in our time, but two more things, one about the team and one about uh, the overall league. If, in fact, Justin Falk is moved, that's two-thirds of the leadership group from last year, because at this point, um, it's, hard, I mean, it's, it's not hard to imagine a return for Justin Williams because he'd left the door open, uh, so it's possible. Uh, but you certainly can't count on it or expect it. But how do they go into the season if Falk is gone, Williams isn't here, Jordan Stahl is the only guy with the letter, and I think we all agree that he's better off as a supporting
1: letter. What do they do? For me, they, in my opinion, I, I think they just kind of let it marinate for a while. So I wouldn't be in a hurry to anoint a captain. I just think these are enormous shoes to fill. Just, I know you agree with this. Yeah. Justin Williams on the ice. Justin Williams off the ice. That's about as full value as you're going to get out of any captain. And that's the best captaincy, with all due respect to Rod. <laughs> but that singular season, that's the best I've ever seen in my career. Yeah, Because of what happened. Because of where the team was last September, where they needed to get to, all the stuff that was going on off the ice to try and – get the team pointed back into relevance. the handling of all of that, letting the team develop a personality, just in getting serious at the right time and letting the truth be known about how the team was playing so that they didn't get any kind of false sense of security. So they could actually improve as the year went along. And the most important role of the captain is the conveyor of the coach's message. And, there's no two better people in harmony than Rod Brindamore and Justin Williams, so they totally agree. And again, human nature comes into play here. Not every captain's going to totally agree with the coach's message, mm-hmm. but he's going to do his best to make sure that everybody in that room understands. In the, the meeting after the meeting, as they say, everybody understands what's going on. It was so perfect last year. How do you replace that? It's almost unfair. Yeah. Because say it is a guy like Jordan Stahl, who deserves to be the captain of the team, has had an opportunity in the, the failed season of the co-captaincy to try his best. Right. But for see him put all of those that weight on his shoulders again, yeah. I think the beauty of Stahl's season last year was the fact that he didn't have to worry about anything. Yep. And I think by having Slavin with an A, Stahl with an A, Aho with an A, if you want to pick a fourth guy, go right ahead and do it. Hook would be yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Four guys, marinate, let it let it go, and then at the end of the season or halfway through the year or whatever, Sebastian Alho's is your captain. Jacob Slavens your captain, or we're moving ahead with Jordan Stahl because he actually did an even better job because he didn't have the C right away. The C right away is you're Justin Williams 2.0. No matter what anybody mm-hmm. says, yeah. that's what I think it is. Anybody says anything else is just giving a lot of speak to wherever they're coming from, whether it be management, the players, or the coaches, because Williams was that good. And that is a huge void this season. There's no doubt about it. You're not just going to pick up where it was and everything's going to be hunky-dory. If there's no Justin Williams, this team is different.
0: Yeah, there's no question. There's absolutely no question about it. I've always thought that Rod was the the most underrated captain. It makes me angry every time I hear people lavish praise on Mark Messier, and I'm not trying to slam Mark Messier. Uh, There's no way, as as long as I've been following this sport, there's no way he was a better captain than Rod Brindamore. But I think you're right that last year, and the the amazing thing for me about Williams was that. It was the first year, not only had he ever been a captain, but it was the first year he ever started with a letter. He didn't wear That's a letter right. in LA. He didn't wear a letter in Washington. He didn't wear a letter here. I mean, maybe for a select games, he wore a letter. But in terms of, you know, start the season as, the, as part of the leadership group, in terms of uh, having an A or a C on your sweater, this was the first time. And he was spectacular. I still think the turning point in the entire season came at the home loss to Tampa when they blew the lead. Uh, right. And he was emphatic about them pissing it away. I could say that on a podcast. And um, to me, that was, you know, where the expectations are not just to make the playoffs. I think right. that was a tremendous reset. And I don't believe anybody else would have done what he did.
1: No, and, and I think again, you're you're talking about uh, two guys in the respective roles that are all Hurricanes, and and that's why you know Justin could reach back uh, to his his previous stops and take all that into account, but also understand you know what it meant to be a Carolina Hurricane, which is the most important thing that happened last year um Yes, the success was great. The playoff run was spectacular, magical, and gave it a ton of relevance. But I, I really believe that that whole thing from Brenda Moore handed down to his captain, handed down to the rest of them, um worked perfectly. And I'm not 100% sure uh, everything's in order to do it all again, nor should it be. I think it should be a different way. Mm. And I think with, with the amount of new people that they have, And just, you know, where guys are, like where Sebastian is in terms of his career, uh, where Slavin is in terms of his career, uh, to be fair to those guys, let it be. And if it's a grizzled veteran like Jordan Stahl has now become, let him let him grow into that. Let him just say, yeah, I've got everything I need to worry about right now taken care of. I take on the added job responsibility of being captain not i'm the captain now i have to look after every all of that plus my own game i would just like to see them you know just start no hoopla no captaincy and you know leaders are leaders they mm-hmm. have a ton of leaders in there and some of these new guys coming in are leaders so you just let that let that take place and that's there's no better way to do it if williams is still part of the equation then and uh, Willie comes in and does what he does. And it's, it's, uh, that's Willie's act. That's his deal. But no one should try to replace him. No one should try to duplicate what he did. And no one should have that burden of responsibility. And I think it's just too grand. That's all, my opinion.
0: All right, final question for John Forslund, uh, and then we'll do this throughout the season. As always, uh, Zach Wierenski signed a three-year bridge contract, uh, $4 million, $4 million, and then $7 million in the last year to up the qualifying offer, which is smart. Um, but we still have Kyle Connor, Patrick Lyon, a Matthew Kachuk. Uh, um, we have uh, Brock Besser. I'm just going down the list in order here: uh, Miko Rantanen, Mitch Marner, Braden Point, Thomas Konechny. All of these guys, restricted free agents. I mean, the math is staggering. It's like oh, it's like 250 goals. It's like 575 points total just in the forwards. Uh, that are still out there as restricted free agents how close how how soon until we see some of these dominoes fall
1: well I think it's easier now for the defenseman okay so now the seal's been broken so wereensky you could get five million per you know on a, what essentially is a bridge deal right high money but a bridge deal uh, the money could be greater the term could be longer um, but it isn't so I think now Ivan Provorov and Charlie McAvoy – are in a different situation. And, you know, the market will kind of bear that out. So those those deals will probably be more along the line of the bridge deals that we used to see automatically, unless you were a Connor McDavid way back when, Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. But those are generational guys. The problem here is Austin Matthews is supposed to be a generational player. Jack Eichel is supposed to be a generational player. But they, Matthew's case more so, Eichel definitely not yet, but paid accordingly. And because of those two contracts, and I'm probably forgetting a couple of others, but because of that, it almost looked like the bridge deal for many of these kids is, is long gone. And the managers have to get right to a huge contract. And they probably didn't like that climate so they're trying to adjust it but how do you adjust it when you have the names that you just brought up with Mitch Marner leading the way so we still have to see what Marner gets and you know it's likely when you look at what Matt where Matthews is Matthews is a ton of money but it's only a five-year deal right so in essence he's on a bridge deal Sebastian Ajo is a ton of money but it's only a five-year deal that is a bridge deal because they're going to get to another place, mm-hmm. and it's, it's going to be even bigger and probably longer. And the third contract for both of those players. But right now, when you're talking, you know anywhere between 10 and 12 million per for Marner, how does that affect everybody else? And I think what's happened here is the, the managers have just decided, let them sit till you get to the next deadline, and the next deadline is not camp. That's an artificial deadline. The next deadline is opening night. So until you get there, and that's what happened to Nylander, far different player last year with Toronto. But William Nylander was, uh, you know, is a is a top six guy, but he's not a top three guy for me. But he kind of played himself down that road, and look what happened. He didn't sign until the beginning of December, and his season was. Was lost. Could never find his way. Um, All these guys will get signed, but in order for the market to make sense again, they have to get to some level of a of a bridge nature in the second contract. Otherwise, this isn't going to work because right now the guys are coming off entry deals. They're all very good. Some are excellent, but because of the salary cap, teams are plugging in entry guys more than we used to too, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of how we got here. And um, I think the league is trying to figure out the best way to make this make some sense. And the only way to do it is to play some hardball and use the system because the system has gotten a little bit out of control. And I think that's how it's adjusting. But it was a good sign that Wierenski, you know, came to that conclusion with his team because that's going to take some guys off the table now because Provorov and McAvoy, to name two, won't have a leg to stand on. That's, those are fair numbers. For those two players. Right. They should get signed and then we'll see what happens with the forwards. And once Marner is addressed, then those other guys, Line A and Kachuk and so on and Braden Point and, you know, all these other players, Miko in out in Colorado, so it's good. amazing when you think of the names that are still unsigned. <laughs> uh, unthinkable.
0: And, they, and, and there's a lot of teams that feel like they can win a Stanley Cup, but they need their guys to do it. John Forsland, uh see you at uh, training camp. It all gets underway in terms of actual games with the Hurricanes in Tampa on Tuesday night uh, of next week. Thank you, sir.
1: Sounds great, Adam. Thank you.
3: You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com the WRAL Sports Fan app and you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts Google Play, Google Podcasts Spotify, Stitcher Pocket Casts and TuneIn Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast.
2: Tim Donnelly here for DraftKings. The wait is over. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of NASCAR and it is now live in North Carolina. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports anytime, anywhere, right here in North Carolina with DraftKings. For a limited time, new customers who signed up with promo code 999 and bet $5 will receive $250 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings has the best features, including same-game parlays, player props, and more, with fast and easy payouts right at your fingertips. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using code 999 and bet $5 to get $250 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code 999. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 877 185 543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. Terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook NC. NASCAR is not a sponsor of this promotion and used under license.